Let's go back to your childhood, 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 childhood. There's some fireworks going up. Kids are riding up and down with balloons. There's old ladies and old men and young kids and boys. The balloons are flying. There's no, there's no generation gap in this year of 1972. Come on, let's hear it, Dad! You don't mind if I blow my own horn here, folks, do you? Buckaroo. Holiday. Buckaroo Holiday. Golden 1972 was 50 years ago. Sounds incredible, doesn't it? Well, it sounds incredible to me because it feels more like 50,000 years. You know, as you look through the telescope, you're a kid and you're looking forward and you see the future and it's infinite. It's full of possibility and mystery. And now on this end, looking back, you see Paradise Lost, this tiny, beautiful thing in the distance. But anything that was beautiful, that was really beautiful and really strong, is still there, it still exists, and I think the best way to get there is through music. It's not like looking at a photo album, it's like re-inhabiting that spirit again somehow. At least it is for me. So I thought the idea for this show was brilliant when Ron first proposed it to me. The idea of this 50-year anniversary thing did never cross my mind. Ron suggested it, and he said that he would like to commission a show like that if he had the dough, but he doesn't have the dough right now. And who does? I sure don't. But always on the lookout for an extra buck, I told everybody, hey, why don't we all pitch in and do this show, hmm? Now, I didn't expect nothing, but some of you actually did, which I really, really appreciate. Here we are. And those of you who wanted requests will get them. And uh, we can all thank Ron who's in the past given us the Canadian special, the UK folk rock special, and who just kindly sent me a great Joseph Lanza book on psychedelic easy listening music, which I'll talk about on an upcoming show. But uh, here we are in the golden jubilee, 50 years since 1972. What a year for music. Holy Moses. I don't know how I'm going to get it all in. I probably, I definitely ain't going to get it all in, but um, I don't know whether I'm going to have to do a second show or not. Play it by ear, you know? But I'm going to send it out to the people with whom I spent 1972, which was one of my favorite all-time years. Definitely one of my favorite all-time summers. Most of them are gone now. Actually, pretty much all of them are gone now. My nephew Petey, my best buddy Woody at the time, my mom, my dad, my brother Bobby. I lift my buckaroo to the memory of them all. And I'm not going to start describing the songs necessarily before the sets this time. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. But I think I just got to jump right into it on the top here. Welcome to 1972, and welcome to Buckaroo Holiday.
Bonnaroo blasters are ready to race. Blasters, blasters are gonna explode with the blast of power. Gonna eat up the road. Time to refuel, fill them with water, pump them with power. Blasters, blasters are gonna explode with the blast of power. Gonna eat up the road. Bonnaroo blasters, complete with funnel and power launcher. New from Hasbro. My oh my, that was my friend Woody <laughs> doing an improvisation based on a Hasbro toy commercial that you also heard. Yeah, I think uh, you heard my voice and my brother Bobby and Petey in the background there. And that was one of the ways we spent that summer, playing with the little Panasonic tape recorder, doing parodies of the game shows and commercials that we'd be watching all day, until my mother kicked us out of the house and said, get out there into the sunshine, for God's sake. Because we were visiting Long Island on many weekends and weeks throughout the summer as a getaway from Brooklyn. And it was real salubrious for me because I had a traumatic year previously, school year. I was thrown out of Holy Name School by a vindictive little rat fuck named Michael McNally, who I'd had in fourth grade, hated me then. I mean, you know what I mean? A teacher hating a kid in fourth grade, you know, physically abused the living hell out of me. And he, apparently he carried this hatred because when Wonder of Miracles, we had him again in seventh grade, he fixed those beady eyes on me and it was clear to me instantly that he's carrying that hatred all those years and still ready to mess with my life and he did he got me thrown out of the school so after all of that trauma and the weird experience of finishing out the year in a new school with new people spending a summer in what we called the country with my old classmate woody and my nephew pete and my folks was just what the doctor ordered the house was surrounded by woods most nights my little group would sleep in a tent out in the backyard and it was ideal for telling ghost stories and um, during the long summer days we'd spend our time down at Lake Ronkonkoma swimming playing guns and hiding in the trees in a lot of ways it was my Tom Sawyer summer with Woody as Huck Finn and uh, it was idyllic really uh, idyllic and boring we forget how so many of our fondest memories are made up of things that we did to stave off boredom. So it was comic books and Mad Magazine and National Lampoon and uh, discovering music, discovering rock and roll. It was that really tender time between childhood and teenhood. And we were on that cusp, playing with toys on one hand and listening to the Velvet Underground on the other hand. You know, it, it was a time... I guess in most people's lives where a lot of influences come to bear. You don't realize them necessarily, but a very formative point in life. Another example are those comic books we'd be reading, because on one hand you're reading Cull the Conqueror, and on the other hand you're reading uh, Zap. I guess that first set contains some of that cusp stuff I was talking about, because at the end of it you heard a kind of a reunion of the Velvet Underground. Lou Reed from Transformer, and then John Cale doing Days of Steam, which was the theme music from the movie Heat, directed by Paul Morrissey and produced by Andy Warhol. 
But you also heard Harry Nielsen, who I was already a big fan of through The Point, the cartoon that he had done, I guess, a year or two earlier. But that was from his album Son of Schmilson. And I'm going to send that out to Tony, who I hadn't met yet, but would meet in about four more years, I guess, after this. It was a sweet number called The Lottery Song. And at the very top, you heard a piece from the big hit Broadway show Pippin, written by Stephen Schwartz, who was severely Laura Nero damaged, which is not a bad thing to be. So, you know, the thing is that I'm talking about how that was a cusp in life, but it was also a cusp in the nation and the world. Culturally, it was a big turning point, I think. Like, let's say the 60s started in, like, 63 or 64, right? Well, the 70s started in 1972. It was the 60s up until then. I guess throughout the show, I'll be alluding to a lot of what those changes were. But for one thing, it was, like, really sexed up, you know? <laughs> Much more so than earlier. Not just the movies and stuff, which is obvious, but even the humor. National Lampoon was a whole lot more sexed up than Mad Magazine was. And music already sexed up, got even more sexed up, you know, going into glam rock, Bowie, and all that kind of stuff. Other changes, too, you know. Soul music became real conscious, you know, and all these black exploitation movies were coming out, so there was that whole funk injection, you know. Um, brilliant time, man. Just so much to take in. So anyway, speaking of soul music, uh, great, great time for stuff. Endless, fantastic records. And I'm going to play one in just a minute by request. I want to mention, first two voices you heard at the top of the show, two heroes of mine, Vivian Stanchel and Gene Shepard, radio icon. The Stanchel thing was uh, not from 1972, but it's one of the only pieces of music you're going to hear here that wasn't. Even the bed music, the library music and stuff like the San Francisco theme right now. All that's from 72. This being Buckaroo Holiday, we're going to get around a little bit stylistically. And some obscure stuff, but probably a lot more familiar stuff than usual. And like I think I might have mentioned before, a lot of stuff I've already played on the show. Representing the bubblegum end of things, I got uh, Daniel Boone with Beautiful Sunday coming up. The version featuring the Moog synthesizer. Real big sounds of the time, and you're going to hear it again in the following song, Billy Preston's Out of Space. And while we're out in space, let's check up on Hawkwind with the great Silver Machine. So here we go, a set full of futuristic 70s music. Starting off, though, with that request I mentioned, The Shy Lights, Old Girl, by request for Claudia. Mwah!
Well, music sure does paint a picture in your head, doesn't it? Like, like what kind of picture does this music paint in your head? Hear that? Yeah. This is from one of the biggest motion pictures of 1972. Deep Throat. That's right. Now what kind of a picture does it paint in your head? Mmm, I thought so. <laughs> you say what? <laughs> really? Right here? On the air? <laughs> you are a swinger, aren't you? Here, let me just... Yeah. That's it. Ooh. How's that? I know, right? Yeah, uh, well, sorry about that, listeners, but you know, here in 1972, Eros is everywhere. Here's a few examples, and this time we're going to take it from the back end. Serge Gainsbourg and Jane Birkin are going to do what they usually did with La Decadence. And before that, a song we had a lot of fun with in 1972, kind of goofing on it, doing parodies of it and everything. And I got to tell you, even back then, long before Me Too and so forth, it seemed like a little, little bit too aggressive for comfort. Joe Tex, I gotcha. And the first song in the set is from the movie version of the stage musical 1776, the title reflecting the actual founding year of the USA. It really, really was 1976, despite what they tell you. And the show presented Adams and Jefferson and Franklin, etc. Not as cartoons, but as real men with flaws, founding a great, if flawed, nation. And it's very entertaining, but it's also solid history. And it deals with uh, a lot of the stuff people these days think nobody ever dealt with before. Slavery is confronted in it very vividly, as is the debate about slavery and the compromises that were made and uh, all that that implied. At that point, the creators felt no need to present these characters falsely as some multi-ethnic troupe of young, hot hipsters <laughs> singing in the style of contemporary hit radio, you know. It was traditional Broadway-style music, and great for that matter, and I don't mean to put Hamilton down. I haven't seen it, and what I've heard of it, it isn't terrible. But anyway, here's a bit of 1776, kind of a coy number with... Thomas Jefferson's wife talking about what a great lover he is. Oh, he never speaks his passions. He never speaks his views. Whereas all the men speak volumes, the man I love is mute. In truth, I can't recall being wooed with words at all. Even He plays the violin He tucks it right under his chin And he bows, oh he bows For he knows, yes he knows That it's high, high, high Diddle, diddle, twixt my heart Tom and his fiddle My strings are unstrung Done. 
madam. I hear his violin, and I get that feeling within, and I sigh, oh, I sigh. He draws near, very near, and it's high, 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 diddle, diddle, and goodbye to the fiddle. My strings are unstrung. Hi, 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 hi. I'm always undone. That settles it, John. We're taking up the violin. Very well, madam. You have us playing the violin. What happens next? Next, Mr. Adams. Yes, what does Tom do now? Why, just what you'd expect. We dance. Dance? Dance? Incredible. One, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> John, you can dance. We still do a few things in Boston, Franklin.
Piece of cake. <laughs> gonna play some real old favorites in the upcoming set. And the first one I'm gonna play is by request from Rich. Now I remember reading reviews of Big Star Records back then. It didn't make any impression on me and I never listened to it until years later when they started to acquire that cult appreciation that also led me to bands like Love. So this would have been like in the early 80s and better late than never, but it just goes to show you how much really amazing music goes unappreciated in its own time, if ever. Speaking of love, Arthur Lee released his Vindicator album in 1972, and my pal Colin has been telling me to give it another listen, and it is definitely worth checking out. I may put a track on here from it later, if time permits, I'm not sure, but we'll see. Anyway, after you hear Big Star. I'm going to hit a couple of records that I was nuts about back then. Two great bands from England, Martha Hoople and Slade, the mighty, mighty Slade. And then from there, we'll see what happens. Anyway, this is for you, Rich. Enjoy. Ballad of El Goodo. ago my heart was set to live oh I've been trying hard against unbelievable odds it gets so hard in times like now to hold on the guns they wait to be stuck by at my side is God Draft boards They 
we'll get this and we'll get ours if we can just a
Michael Jackson, needless to say, already a superstar of several years standing by then. No wonder he went nuts. You know what I mean? Jeez. Now, as you know, uh, Buckaroo Holiday is the audio companion to the Schoolyard Gents, kind of. It's a, or it's a recreation of the experience of Schoolyard Gents. It's a uh, an attempt to give you, the listener, the experience of hanging out in our little bar out back. And to tell you the truth, it's kind of given me the experience of that, too, because we don't really do that anymore. But nevertheless, that's what this was all about. And in the bar out back, there are these two pictures that sit on top of the stereo system, and they are the subject of many toasts. They're always toasted several times in an evening whenever we hang out back there, and we listen to the music of these artists. One picture is Faggy Beck, Walter and Donald. The other picture is Phil Linnett, the great Phil Linnett. And they both kind of got started around this time, 72. I remember hearing Steely Dan in Woody's basement in Brooklyn. Do It Again was on the radio, and we were listening, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's an interesting record. That sounds kind of cool. Then Lizzie, I didn't know anything about it until many years later. But they had already released an album before 1972, and in 1972 they released Shades of a Blue Orphanage. So we'll hear something from Steely Dan's debut and from the second album, I believe, of Thin Lizzy. And I expect you to toast them as you hear these songs. But before all that, I got this little kind of time-saving gimmick here I'm going to do. Sometimes you got songs that you want to play... But they're kind of similar to each other, you know? And you don't want to necessarily use up a lot of space on things that sound so similar. But you also don't want to omit one in favor of the other one, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm going to do at least one or two of these kind of medleys here of songs that are, you know, kind of in the same ballpark. You can choose which one you like better. And if you find it like a tease and you want to hear a full song, hey, look, I take bribes. In the meantime, we're getting more music in for you. And you know that can't be bad, to quote the Beatles. So for want of a catchier term and a more um, interesting, readily available, ready-made radio jingle type thing to introduce them, we're going to hit you with what we call two in a row. And it goes thusly. Sitting me right down and he talked to me 
the fishing invention of the century. There's never been anything like it. Popeil's Pocket Fishermen. Men, women, youngsters can cast almost like experts the very first time. Small enough to fit in glove compartment, backpack, any travel bag, or even in your pocket. And Pocket Fisherman's handle is its own mini tackle box. Flip up the special DuPont nylon rod and you're ready to fish anytime. Even catch big ones like this with heavy test line and your favorite lure and shock absorber. Pocket Fisherman is made with a smooth action Johnson spin cast reel filled with Trilene XL line and boy does it catch fish. It's the perfect outfit for casting in tight spots. You can even hang it on your belt. Expert or amateur will love Popeil's Pocket Fisherman. It's rod, reel, line, bobber, hook, the whole thing. Yes, it's fishing fun for the whole family and only $19.95. What a gift. Shake it off and work 
just right Should I hide or eat my pride Or wait until it's good and right My life is boiling over It's happened once before I wish someone would open up the door Don't you know I'd love to run out now There's no way left to turn
Now those might not be the most obvious choices for selections by those two bands, and I get that, but of course, you know, we don't want to go with the most obvious choice on this show, right? Nah. Because, you know, you're kind of tempted on a show like this to go with real crowd pleasers, and, you know, I assume there's going to be some of those in here, but it's not really what we do here. Well, I think my Brooklyn accent is coming out more (laughs) doing this show. Kind of regressing, you know? That's okay. I don't, like, consciously suppress it, but, you know, sometimes it just comes out. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, going with that less obvious uh, song choice, I got to play Roxy Music, you know, because that was their first album, 1972, self-titled. Virginia Plain, his pajama-rama, there's all these songs that you could go with, but uh, I'm going with a thing called Chance Meeting here. I think it's an evocative, mysterious little piece. And that was the beginning of Roxy Music's career. And then we got another one after that that's kind of a, towards the end of this artist's career. It's Duke Ellington and Ray Brown, an album of duets called This One's for Blanton. And uh, this is a, a section, the third movement from a thing called Fragmented Suite for Piano and Bass. Mostly improvisational kind of thing, but uh, really shows how Duke Ellington kept it until the end. I think he died maybe two years later. Don't quote me on that, I could be wrong, but something like that. And he was still a vital artist, still creating fresh work, not retreads like a lot of artists might be tempted to do in their old age. Some of the bits are pretty abstract, but this one's very accessible. And then I would be personally remiss in neglecting to include the Bee Gees. Bee Gees were my favorite group for a long time. And this year marks the end of that because I didn't listen to their records for a couple of years. I was more caught up with David Bowie and et cetera, et cetera. But to this day, I love them. And uh, all their work across their entire career, I think, is just absolutely brilliant pop music. As good as it gets. And then I'm going to hit something I know that I've played before. It's a relatively obscure record. Ashton Gardner and Dyke, Ballad of the Remo Four, which I first discovered on a compilation of clips from some TV show that was on in the early 70s that uh, artists made these clips for, like early videos. I forget the name of it, but it was uh, from the UK. I'm sure you're fascinated with how I discovered this song. Enough. Roxy Music. I never thought I'd see you It's a long 
fell down on our knees Stealing from the pockets of my father I said goodbye to him when I was young enough to die Bye-bye, bye-bye Driving all day long In the night you sing a song And you wake up feeling kind of sore Back home again Helping with the problems Of my brother So God bless him Without the blinking of an eye Bye-bye Bye-bye Driving all in In the night you sing the song And you wake up Feeling kind of sore Okay, and it's time for a quick 1972 quiz. See if you know the answer to this one. One current senile diaper soiling corrupt disgrace was merely an incompetent liar when he first became a senator in 1972, charting a course that would culminate in his installation as the worst, quote, president, unquote, in American history. Any guesses? Let's get back to the music. Oh. 
The second of our medleys with Uriah Heep doing Sweet Lorraine after Crazy Horses by the Osmonds. Obviously, that keening, theremin-sounding thing is the main link with those. And from his big breakthrough album, Talking Book, Stevie Wonder did Big Brother, which relates to the little political snipe I had before that. And I know that kind of stuff annoys people, but I gotta tell you something about it relates to 1972 pretty strongly because that was a year that had a huge impact on my political outlook, such as it was when I was a kid. You know, it isn't something that a kid thinks about a great deal, but it was very much in the air in those days. And in our house, we had all the regular news magazines, you know, Time magazine and Reader's Digest even, representing the kind of Norman Rockwell, traditional America thing. My father was a war veteran, so forth. Older generation. Democrat, but you know, the old school. My brothers were part of the younger generation, so they subscribed to things like Ramparts and Evergreen Review, as well as underground things like the East Village Other. And as much as I loved the culture of the psychedelic era, the politics of it really disturbed me. One could understand and strongly sympathize with things like, you know, wanting to end the Vietnam War, and things like the gay rights struggle and women's rights. And, of course, the original civil rights movement, Martin Luther King and all that, and all that very important change that was taking place. And I kind of felt myself in between my brother's point of view and my parents' point of view. But I hated, just as I still do, anti-Americanism and what they called at the time the new left. And that part of it really scared me. Really scared me. I didn't think it had anything to do with those other things, those old left positions, the liberal positions also included free speech, by the way, something that's kind of forgotten these days. But 72 was a real signal year for this kind of stuff. It would make a deep impression on the mind and on the ethics of a kid, just as being around during a war or the Depression would. This stuff was everywhere and it was ugly. You had former sex kitten turned treasonous propagandist Jane Fonda crawling around on tanks in Hanoi. You had this group of German psychotics called the, the Red Faction, I think, or the Bader-Meinhof Gang was what they're more widely known as. Wild-eyed murderous communists. A lot of them got busted that year, but then the movement swelled even stronger after that and created more mayhem. I recall some people I used to know on Facebook posting all kinds of uh, nostalgic posts about the Bader-Meinhof Gang, same as they did with the Black Panthers who in 1972 were kind of starting to make their morph into a more conventional gang of street criminals, the Crips. So all this stuff was in the news daily and all through the summer of 72, uh, this is all you heard about. And it also confronted us more vividly. We were glued to the Olympics that summer and sat there shocked and traumatized when 11 Israeli athletes and coaches were murdered by Palestinian terrorists. And over here, the Weather Underground set off a bomb in the Pentagon, just as they had done the previous year at the Capitol. Do you remember those dates? March 1st, May 19th? Nobody remembers those dates. It might be easy to forget because they did so many of these things, and they also went on to, uh, some of them went on to prison sentences, some of them went on to become fugitives, some of whom had children who became district attorney of major American cities, but a lot of them became professors and educated generations of American youth, according to their philosophy. And I thank you for your indulgence on this rant, but I do hate these people 
not only because of what they've done to America in general, but what they've done to liberalism specifically. Because I strongly believe, believe it or not, this country needs real liberals. Here's T-Rex. Graduation time, now you advance With cap and gown complete But you can skip the pomp and circumstance Our training course is a now kind of force Graduate with a now kind of beat You've learned the ways and the means and the in-betweens It's time to take a bow You've learned the tricks and the knacks and the best attacks To educate you and create you Super salesman now! No super salesman yet, but that's the goal toward which I'm turned With residential selling that's the first thing that I learned Next came air conditioning, fundamentals and benefits Products involved and how they work, good business requisites Now you can fully explain heat loss and gain Air distribution, 
have learned design and you do fine. Unload estimating. Cost calculating. Salesman super do. Mike's learned to write proposals. He presents them very well. Our tools and our materials, he knows just the way to sell. Selling techniques Mike has learned, including one called close. That's lots of facts and plans, and Mike has mastered all of those. Your training I'll develop every lead. Work patterns you can set, follow through, you bet. You know how steady. Now you're ready to go out and succeed. You've learned the ways and the means and the in-betweens. It's time to take a bow. You've learned the tricks and the knacks and the best attacks to educate you and create you. Super salesman now with your super selling pal. Your super salesman now, 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 now. And how? Wow.
from Detroit, the great, great spinners, with probably the first song of their golden period, the Tom Bell years, I'll Be Around. And you didn't think I could do this show without including a piece of an industrial musical, because this was really the heart of the era of industrial musicals. It was from a show that was a parody of All in the Family, done for a sales meeting for York Air Conditioning, called imaginatively enough, All in the York Family. And we started with the first track from the album, The Slider by T-Rex. That was one of these records, man. I guess it was on 86th Street in Brooklyn, Sam Goody's store or something like it. And I went in there and there was that album cover, The Slider by T-Rex. And holy mackerel, there was this charismatic magnetism. Had to buy it. Dropped the needle when I got it home. And that's what struck my ears. Metal guru. (laughs) Didn't make a lick of sense any more than anything else Mark Bolin ever did, but I learned to surrender (laughs) the need for coherence in lyrics. As long as it sounded good. And I think it did. Hope you agree. We're getting close to the end of this thing. I'm going to have to do another one. I'm going to have to do a follow-up show. Uh, I'll I'll get right on that after I post this. Because there's a lot of stuff I want to play, and I need at least another hour. And you don't want a three-hour show, for Christ's sake. Let's get this thing up and on that one afterward and this will also provide any of you that enjoyed this show with the opportunity to uh, give me some requests or other numbers you know i aim to please got a few of them in there for you guys but uh you know i might have overlooked something really central so i'm I'm, I'm open i'm open and you know that's going to be on the patreon for sure this one here as i'm working on it right now i'm still not sure whether i'm going to put it on the regular Podbean thing or the patreon thing because um like i said i want to get off the Podbean thing i want to stop putting those shows up there but um since i did include that political stuff i won't be annoying as many people if i put it on the patreon i do want to get on people's nerves mainly because the kind of people that would get really annoyed by that are the kind of people who presumed for many years that they could say whatever they thought about things and interpreted my lack of pushback as acquiescence or agreement when really it was just being polite and understanding that another person's point of view is just as valid as mine. So all this indecision I'm feeling now about where to put this show well, we'll be gone by the time you listen to this, right? Because it'll be up there and wherever it was I chose to put it. But now you know some of the thinking behind it, for whatever that's worth. So anyway, I'm going to kick it in the head right here and uh, end on two numbers. And then a bunch of the other stuff that I intended to play, I'll get it on the next show, the, the hour-long show that will go up very shortly after this. I'm going to work on it as soon as I'm done posting this. Thanks to everybody who contributed to this and participated in it, and to all of you who will, because I think a couple of you will, give me some ideas for the next, but do it quickly. Send them to me right away, let me know. And thanks to Ron for having the great idea. Hope it was a good one. And bear in mind, the next one will be a continuation of this. It's not an extra and it's not leftovers by any means. It'll just be the third hour, or maybe, maybe third and fourth hour, I don't know, depends, of this same show. Haven't played David Bowie yet. That was the most important thing of 72 for me. Next to discovering the Stones' Jumpin' Jack Flash, but that was an earlier recording. And I didn't play anything from Exile, and I'm not going to because I don't like Exile. Sorry. I know there's some genres I haven't touched on. I didn't touch on any prog. I didn't touch on any country. They will be in the next one. Classical. I got some stuff lined up there, too. And a lot more pop and rock stuff. 
And I'm going to end this one with a song that I have played before. It's one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite recordings. And I send it out to those of you who, for obvious reasons, may never listen again. I lose more and more of you each time I say anything. What are you going to do? I was kidding when I said I annoy people on purpose. I really don't do it intentionally. But that doesn't mean I don't annoy them. So, c'est la vie. I will think of you with kindness. And I hope you return the favor. Thank you for listening to Buckaroo Holiday. No more to-
to say without you close the door put out the lights and go late the night in the night your shadow falls between us never more I'll never know my General Electric tape recorder, a great entertainer. This beauty adjusts recording levels automatically, works on batteries and plugs in and shuts off automatically. Let me put it to you this way. When it comes to tape recorders, GE's got it all together. Now playing all over America, tape recorders by GE, the great entertainer. <laughs> 